Uh, this morning's scripture reading will be found in Psalms 95. And that is in uh, page 499 on the, pu- on the chair Bible there, if you need a Bible, uh, 499. <clears throat> Psalms 95, we'll be reading the whole chapter. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with sounds of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your fathers put me to the test and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work. For 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people who go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Therefore, I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Thank you, Nick. It's great to be with you this morning. Thankful for the opportunity to be here. We're grateful to God for you. Um, Shelly and I, um, we encourage you to check your mailboxes. Shelly and I put a gift in there for you for Christmas. And it's a gift that we hope will be a blessing to you uh, throughout the Advent season. Uh, It's a little book that will give you... uh, some reading material will help you really um, just savor God's redeeming grace uh, this, this Christmas. I invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. I would like to focus on one verse of Scripture this morning. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 18 that says, Give thanks in all circumstances... For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. But I want to do that in its proper context. Uh, Paul wrote this letter in 51 AD, which is maybe the earliest New Testament letter. He, He wrote this letter because the church in Thessalonica was facing great trials, and he didn't want them to be unsettled by those trials, and that's certainly a, a pastor's heart that I share with him, uh, seeing various struggles that God's people have, my prayers that they would not be unsettled in those trials. And so Paul prayed for them, that God would sanctify them completely, and he expressed confidence that God would do this because God, in fact, is faithful. He, he wants them to keep growing and changing, e- even in difficult trials. And in his final instructions to the believers in Thessalonica, Paul says three key things in chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. And these three things make up one Greek sentence, one, one sentence in the Greek language. And so... In the midst of those trials that Paul saw these Thessalonian believers having, 
He says, I want you to rejoice always, verse 16. The, the question is, how, how in the world do you do this without being plastic or hypocritical? That, I mean, does this mean that you walk around all of the time with a uh, plastic smile uh, plastered to your face, leaping for joy? And I would say no. Uh, there are certainly many times in our life where simply a quiet and contented spirit, not, not because of circumstances, but because of God, is really an expression of the joy in our heart. And, and yet, a quiet and contented spirit will, in fact, radiate much without saying a word. So Paul says, rejoice always, even in trials. And secondly, he says, pray without ceasing. So does this mean that you have to walk around on your knees all day and mumbling some sort of a prayer? Obviously, not, no. It, it does, however, refer to a commitment to consistently go to the Lord in prayer, e even quietly. Um, when you're tempted to sin in word or thought, when you're ready to take a test, when you're at school, when you're about ready to lovingly confront a friend who is caught in sin. Praying, praying continually is like a cough that just doesn't uh, end. It, you're not coughing every single uh, second of the day, but in an ongoing, persistent way, the cough just seems to never stop. So Paul says, in your trials, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, at this point, you may be think, you're tempted to think that God somehow, you, you made a mistake when you said this. How, how in the world can we give thanks in all circumstances? And I'm sure all of you here this morning have walked through difficult things where you've wondered, can I really be thankful um, I think of the time when I was 20 years old, coming home from uh, summer ministry, and the back wheel of my 1968 Volkswagen Bug fell off in the turnpike at 9.30 at night when it was pitch black and I was all by myself. Am I to be thankful to God in that circumstance? Or in seminary when I was working and going to school and I tore the ligaments in my ankle, was in a cast for about six weeks, or a time when um, a hurricane shortened our very first family vacation from seven days to two days, um, or when I realized that I had badly hurt another person with my own sinful words. Am, am I really supposed to give thanks even in those situations? Well, quite frankly, there are times that I just don't want to give thanks um, because I don't like what's going on in my life or I don't want what is going on in my life. Kind of like when you wake up and you're supposed to teach and preach and you have a bad cold and you wonder if you can do it without coughing. Now, at other times, I think it's not even so much that we don't want to give thanks. We, we're, it's not that we're wrestling with not wanting something in our life, but we just struggle 
We struggle to find the right perspective from which to give thanks. I had Nick read Psalm 95 this morning, and we've, we've often included Psalm 95 as part of our worship here at Grace Hill, but we often stop about halfway through that psalm because the first part of it is a beautiful expression of giving thanks, uh, worshiping the Lord. The, the second half of that psalm seems like it doesn't fit the first part of the psalm because it's an expression of, it's an account of the Israelites when they were in the wilderness and when they had no water or food for three days and they began to grumble and complain. Um, so the, the point that I think the psalmist gives us there is that even in those times when we face difficult things, God is the one that brings us into those difficult things to give us an opportunity to see what's really in our heart. Are, are we able to give thanks to God even in the midst of a severe trial in our life? And so the million dollar question for us this morning is, how can I possibly give thanks when I just lost my job or whatever it might be, whatever the trial might be in our life? Well, to answer that question today, I would like to invite you to consider three perspectives for a Christian. One, consider the high calling of giving thanks. The, the triad of rejoicing always, praying continually, and giving thanks in all circumstances is related. A, a contented heart that is filled with joy will find expression in thanksgiving to God. And at times, prayer is the bridge that does more than just move our lips. It actually elevates our heart to God, enabling us to be joyful and to give thanks, even in the midst of a difficult time. But being thankful in all circumstances is something that we learn. Um, being a parent, being a grandparent now, I have observed that children don't tend to automatically give thanks without much persistent teaching from mom and dad. Uh, the, the same is true for us as Christians. He, even the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, verse 11 says, I have learned that in whatever situation I am to be content. He learned that. Therefore, I want to encourage you this morning to learn, learn to give thanks to God. Um, the, the Greek word used here for giving thanks is, used almost always to give thanks to God, not to men. Um, that's one reason why we must not be thankful generically, but thankful specifically to God. Give thanks to God. Uh, the other root in our word is charis, and it has several, several derivatives in the New Testament that include joy, grace, forgive, giving thanks. And so the idea of being joyful and giving thanks and uh, even grace and forgiveness have a commonality in the root of this particular word. We, we should not be surprised that Vine's expository dictionary defines thanksgiving as the expression of joy Godward. 
So in, in verse 18, giving thanks is a command. Um, and because it's com a command, it's what's expected of us as a Christian. And it's what we can, uh, only with the help of the Holy Spirit, it's what we can learn to do. And so that should give us great hope. Pa part of progressive sanctification is learning to think rightly about God, about ourselves and the circumstances in our lives. And as we think rightly, we will learn to give thanks to God. Also because of its association with joy, since joy is specifically listed as one of the fruit of the Spirit, it's not, I don't think, a stretch to say that giving thanks to God in all circumstances is really a work of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, I think sometimes Christians can be guilty of resorting to positive thinking. Um, there are certainly many self-help groups out there that often mean well, but the best solution they give is to the problems of life is just to think positively about the situation, uh, independent of God. We, we as Christians are people that have more reason to, to be positive than anyone, but it has nothing to do with our own abilities. It has everything to do with God at work in our life. Um, a delightful children's story tells about a little blue engine who looked uh, at his impossible task of pulling a train up a steep hill and said, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. And filled with determination, that little blue engine huffed and puffed and pulled up the hill, but in an amazing twist to the original story, another author wrote, he was almost there when crash, smash, bash, he slid down and mashed into engine hash on the rocks below, which goes to show if the track is tough and the hill is rough, thinking you can ain't enough. Now, I know I'm going someplace I'm not supposed to be going there with that, but we, we must be like Paul who said, in Philippians 4.13, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. We can do the things that Jesus commands us to do with the very strength that he alone provides for us to do it. And so learning to give thanks to God is not pie in the sky living. Learning to give thanks isn't just positive thinking. It's very realistic for the Christian to learn to give thanks to God because of his presence and because of his power in our lives. Um, be, being thankful to God is, however, not the, the pointed truth in this passage. The, the real burning in our heart comes when we realize that God commands us to give thanks to him in all circumstances. Again, we, we can learn to give thanks to God in all circumstances, but please notice that the text does not say give thanks for all circumstances. It, it, it says instead give thanks in all circumstances. But the circumstances are not the object of our thanksgiving, but God is. There, there are many things 
in our life that from a human perspective, we, we very easily could lose hope and not give thanks to God in the circumstance. So why, why in this world can we give thanks in any and all circumstances? Well, simply put, the tail end of verse 18 says, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In, in this explanation, we want to consider the divine resources for giving thanks. And there are two things. First, find hope in God and his will for your life. The word used here for will does not refer to the decrees of God, which are the eternal plans of God, whereby before the creation of the world, he determined to bring about everything that happens. Rather, it refers to the gracious design of God for his children. This is how God wants us to live as believers. It's, it's tied to our progressive sanctification. In other words, it's part of God's moral will to give thanks to God in all circumstances. He's revealed that to us. God, God has a plan on how he wants us to live our lives, and it includes, among other things, giving thanks to him in all circumstances. And so it might be said that if we're not thankful to God in all circumstances, we're missing some aspect of what God wants for our lives. If we are saved, we can live every day, no matter what happens, knowing that God is up to something good in our lives. Now, that, that is a very bold statement that Scripture makes. Why, why is it true? Well, there are three truths about God that enable us to live with this confidence and assurance. And I credit Jerry Bridges in his book, Trusting God, Even When Life Hurts, for articulating the, these three truths. And one of those truths that enable us, enables us to, to know that God is up to something good in our life in every circumstance, this truth that God is sovereign. He is in complete control. God is all-powerful, and he's exercising that power to rule the universe, to rule this world, this church, and even our very lives, the details of our lives. Nothing, absolutely nothing, comes into our lives that doesn't first come through our Father's loving and all-powerful hands. So at, at times, this world and our lives seem to be out of control, but Scripture could not be more clear that God is sovereign. He is in control of all things. Secondly, God is wise. Um, in fact, he is infinite in wisdom. Not, not only does he know all things, but he knows what is best to do in any and every situation. God is never, ever in a need for more information or more knowledge. God never needs discernment. God knows far better than you and I what is best for our lives. So God is sovereign, he's, he's all-powerful, he's in control, he's infinite in wisdom. But third, he is love. God's a personal God. 
God is intimately involved in the lives of his children for their good. That, that's a staggering truth. If you are a Christian, you can know that God is at work in your life to bring about what is good. And he doesn't lack any power to accomplish what he thinks is good. And he never lacks wisdom to knowing what is, in fact, good. So, folks, I want you to know there is great hope for us knowing God and his will for our lives. Re remember Romans 8, 28 that says, And we know for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. That is a crystal clear promise that is true when life is going the way that we want it to go. And it's also true when life is going in ways different than what we want it to go. Irregardless of our circumstances, there is a confidence that we had, have that God is able to be at work in our life to take things that are not good and use them for good. Romans 5 verses 2 through 5 says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It's an amazing thing that we can rejoice in our suffering. Just from a human perspective, that makes no sense. But from God's eternal perspective, coming from a sovereign God who is infinite in wisdom and who has chosen to love us, it makes perfect sense. Also, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So at times we, we ask, what, what in the world is God up to in our lives? And to answer that question, there really aren't any pat answers. Um, in reality, we don't even need to know what God is up to in our lives in order to be thankful. It should be enough for us to know that God is sovereign, that God is wise, and that he chooses to love us, and he's working for our good in any and every situation. And even when we don't know what God is up to, or we can't see, humanly speaking, anything good that comes from this. We can rest in this truth, even if we don't see it. But I also want to suggest it can be helpful to articulate some of what God may be up to in our life. And in the bottom of your sermon outline, there's a list of the six E's of suffering and I credit Robert David Jones, who first taught me these six E's of suffering. So in other words, here, here are some of the things that God may be up to in your life in the midst of 
suffering, in the midst of trials. One, he may be at work to enrich your relationship with him, to, to grow your relationship with him, for you to come to the place where you realize what's happening in my life is horrible, but God is enough for me. I've learned that. I, I used to know it theoretically, but I've experienced the reality that God is enough to sustain me in the midst of difficult things. The Psalms are an expression of great honesty and transparency about the struggle, but also articulates the hope that is ours in, in Christ. Secondly, um, God may be at work in your life to give you opportunities to experience the sufferings of Christ, to identify with his sufferings, to, to experience the weakness that we often feel and then to be sustained by him. To, it, it's when we walk through hard times, when, when we go through difficult times and everything that we once really enjoyed and loved, we used to cling to, if, if that's been removed, then all that we have is just the presence of the Spirit of God in our life, the, the promises of Christ, and that sustains us. We, we have an opportunity to experience the same kinds of things that Christ experienced when he was in a garden and he anticipated the crucifixion coming. And he said, Father, if it's possible, take this from me, but yet not my will, but your will be done. And he endured that and he went to the cross. So, sometimes God is at work in our life so we experience the sufferings of Christ. We can identify in a greater way what Christ experienced. Sometimes suffering exposes remaining sin. The Israelites were led by the Lord out into the wilderness to, to reveal what was in their hearts. God knew what was in their hearts. God didn't need to take them to the wilderness to see what was in their hearts. But the wilderness experience was used to help reveal what was in their hearts to them so that they would see. Sometimes God uses sufferings to exemplify Christ's work in you to others. That when you walk through hard times and other people are watching you and they see that you are sustained by the Spirit of God and there's joy in your life, there's thankfulness to God in your life, even in that circumstance, you, you have an opportunity to, to um, be salt and light, to reveal the, the beauty and the glory of God, and he's glorified in that way. Sometimes God may use suffering to equip you for wiser, more compassionate ministry. Second Corinthians 1 talks a lot about how God is a God of all comfort, and he comforts us in our sorrow so that we can comfort others when they also walk in sorrow. And finally, sometimes God's at work through our suffering just to excite your desire for heaven. You know, when, when we go through hard times, we're reminded in fresh ways that this earth is not my home. Uh, I, I look forward to and I long for that day when I'll be with Jesus. And so sometimes when we go through various trials, 
Um, what becomes more clear to us than ever before is what we have been given in the promise of eternal life, being with Jesus face to face. There's nothing else that can begin to compare with that. And so we get excited more and more for, for glory. I, I want you to know that you have every reason to find hope in God and in his will for your life. Secondly, I encourage you to find strength in knowing Christ personally. Verse 18 very clearly says, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. That short little phrase is packed with meaning. In Christ Jesus, this refers to a living union with Christ. If we are outside of Christ, we are under God's judgment and condemnation. If we are in Christ, if we have this living union, personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we have all of the blessings that God has given to us through the person of Jesus. And we have the sovereign, the wise, the loving God at work to do good things in our life for our good and his glory. The, the vast resources of heaven are open and accessible to the person who is in Christ. The question is, how, how do you enter into a living union? Or how do you enter into a right relationship with Christ? It, it's, it requires you seeing the, the, the holiness as, of God, as we sang today, the, the glory of God, the greatness of God. It, it includes you having eyes to see and a heart that will admit your own sin, how much you fall, fall short. And it, it requires you seeing the beautiful provision of Jesus, God's son, who came to this earth and was righteous throughout his entire life and went to the cross. And on that cross, he didn't die for his sin, he died for our sin. And so when we repent, when we turn away with sorrow in our heart for our unbelief and our sin, and we turn to Christ and we trust him, we trust him alone for our salvation, we enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, living union with Christ. So I, I, I want to ask you this morning, all of you, young and old alike, are you in Christ enjoying all of this, the sweet blessings that come from knowing God through faith in Jesus Christ, or are you outside of Christ and still under God's just and terrible judgment? It's an important question to think about. In conclusion this morning, I want to again remind you, as I was reminded this week, that we're not encouraged to give thanks in all circumstances. We're commanded to give thanks in all circumstances. <coughs> Excuse me. But more than that, if we fail to give thanks to God in all circumstances, it can be very revealing about what's in our hearts. Um, one final thing that we want to consider this morning, and that's this, consider the alarming danger of not giving thanks. Um, failure to give thanks to God may be a sign of unbelief. Listen as I read Romans 
1, 18 through 23. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened, claiming to be wise. They became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal men and birds and animals and creeping things. Notice that there's a passage that talks about how God's wrath is being revealed against uh, unregenerate people who are lost in sin. And one one of the issues that they had is though they knew God, they didn't give thanks to God. One of the reasons why I wanted to read Psalm 95 this morning because it spoke about the Israelites when they went through a trial. And though God had cared for them, delivered them, though God had provided, uh, promised to provide for them, as soon as they got into a hard situation, and as soon as they, and granted, you're in the wilderness, and there's no water and there's no food, and you begin to wonder, What's going to happen? That's a, real, that's a real life situation. That's a test. How, how would you and I respond in that kind of a situation? Well, in, in that text, the sad reality is that instead of really crying out to God in faith and having hearts that are thankful for his promise to provide for them, they began to grumble against them. And Psalm 95 speaks about how that grumbling against God revealed their unbelief, and because of that, they perished in the wilderness. They, they never got into the promised land. So this idea of us having hearts that recognize the beauty of the person of God, trusting him and trusting his promises, and giving thanks to him, even in the midst of difficulties that we face in life is is really important. And then, uh, secondly, grumbling about circumstances is really grumbling against God. Listen as I read 1 Corinthians 10, 9 through 13. And this, this is a passage where we're told to learn from the example of Israel, verse 9. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore let anyone who thinks that he and let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now, that's 
again, that's a bold promise, but it's a promise that can be made, and it's true. It's a true promise because God is sovereign, he's wise, and, and he loves us. And so he, he promises us that there's no temptation overtaking you that's not common to man. We all, we all face difficulties, and God knows those difficulties that we are in, and he won't let us be tempted beyond our ability. He'll, he'll provide the way for us to endure through difficult things. That's his promise. That's his promise. So when problems, when problems come into your life, into my life, we have a choice to make. Knowing that God is sovereign, God is good, God is love, the question is, will you submit to him and trust him even in the problems of life? Um, the, the, the alternative to become angry and bitter towards God because you don't, what, what, you don't want what he is bringing into your life it is really a not a very good alternative. Will you trust his character and his promises? When problems come, will, will you give thanks to God for his promises to bring about good in your life, even in difficult circumstances? If you focus solely on the problem, you will most likely get overwhelmed, you will get downcast, you may even become bitter. But if you remember the character of God, if you remember the promises of God, some bold promises, you, you will be able to trust him, even in hard times. And you'll be able to give thanks to him, for, not, not because of the circumstance, but you'll be able to give thanks to him in the circumstance because of his presence and his work in your life. Um, it's, it's a simple command give thanks to God in all circumstances but then he gives us lots of reasons to understand how we can do that and why we can do that and it's a way to really bring glory to him so let's pray together father I'm thankful that you have not left us here alone I'm thankful that you created us and you know us I'm thankful that through your son, Jesus, you've provided redemption for your people. And that when we have been redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus, we're brought into a relationship with you where you are faithful to care for us. Both on the mountaintop experiences and in the deep, dark valleys of life. And Lord, we know, and you know, there are many deep, dark valleys. But Father, this morning you have taught us from your word that we have every reason to give you thanks in all circumstances because of your character. You, you have chosen to love us, to bless us with good things. You have chosen to care for us. You always know what is best to do. And we know that you're in control. There's so many things outside of our control. 
we're thankful that we can rest in all of the circumstances of life knowing that you're in control and that you're good and that you love us. And so, Father, I pray that you would help all of us, young and old of like, when, when we face difficult times, help us to remember you and help us to have hearts filled with gratitude and we express it in worship, we express it in thanksgiving, we express it in songs of praise where we are thankful that we're not in this alone, we're not walking through this life alone, that you are with us and you're up to something good in us. We thank you and we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.